Editor Chris here. Fair warning, this episode goes into a little bit of a darker subject with violence against women and sexual assault. I just wanted to put that out there. We don't go into super big detail, but I didn't want you to get sidewinded by it either. Uh, with that out of the way, please enjoy the episode. dedicated to the lore, legends, and myths surrounding the creatures that may lurk in your backyard. My name's Hewitt. And I'm Chris. How you doing? Uh, I'm fantastic, man. How about you? Uh, you know, it's a week. It's been, yeah, I get hmm. that. We're going into Thanksgiving. We're going into Thanksgiving. You, um, you have apparently been in, in uh, not enrolled, but uh, voluntold you're cooking everything for yeah, your Yeah, yeah. So my wife is like, I like your cooking. You're going to cook everything. I, I'm actually cooking a lot of this year's because mm-hmm. uh, my, my parents said uh, this is what's weird. My dad doesn't like turkey because he's used to uh, military turkey, which is also known as leather. Well, you, to okay. be fair with turkey, there's a lot of people that you can, fuck up turkey. You can fuck up turkey real easy, just like you can fuck up chicken. But my family, like, my parents don't even want ham, and Em and I are really big on ham for Thanksgiving oh. because uh, ham is cheap. Uh, also smoked ham. Oh, God. Or a brown sugar glaze smoked yeah. ham. Ooh. But no, uh, my parents want to do hamburgers and steaks. What? Which means Mike. My brother-in-law, who used to work kitchens, and I have to stand next to my father when he cooks steaks so that he does not ruin our, ruin our steaks uh, or Emily's steaks. Like, my, my dad likes well done. Oh, so he's like a gray steak with ketchup kind of guy. Uh, he doesn't even want ketchup. He uh, wants A1. Which, you know, there's nothing wrong oh, okay. with... okay, A1's better. A1's better. Okay. But no, no, my dad likes boot leather steak. Me, I'll eat a steak blue. Yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of like medium rare, um, mm. good sear, butter, mm. salt, and pepper. That's all yeah, you need. Yeah, yeah. The okay. So how are you cooking? So you're not going to cook a turkey? This oh no, year? no, no, no. We're going to get turkey breast because I insist at Thanksgiving that we get turkey. And uh, my family's solution to this because my dad doesn't like turkey, my sister doesn't like turkey. I like turkey in certain situations, but it has to be cooked right, or else I'm eating. What tastes like well, like chalk, but it's uh, if you go to like uh, the store, it's it's like the single turkey breast that's like a pound or two. Yeah, okay. They come pre seasoned. Yeah, I'm gonna get that, and then I'll get like one of the tiny hams because uh, everybody's gonna be doing uh, Thanksgiving in the room we're currently sitting in because uh, oh, my dining room is also our is also our recording studio. Well, I mean, I put the leaf in. It'll, it'll be yeah, yeah. It'll it, be enough. Okay, uh, so but, this is what I'm going to do for Thanksgiving. Ooh. So I do two turkeys, whole turkeys, every okay. Thanksgiving now. Uh, since I, I took up the the turkey reins, as it were, from my dad. As you as you became the turkey lord. As I the, become the turkey the lord. The baster was passed down from father to son, as it has been for <laughs> ages. But every year I've been doing like different things. Uh, first year I did a dry brine. Second year, I did. I got two. That the, the second year I did, I did two turkeys because my boss gave me a turkey, and we ended up having a turkey already. Uh, I did a dry and wet brine this year. Or no, this would be the fourth year. I don't know what I did third year. It doesn't matter. Uh, this year, I'm doing two wet brine turkeys, 
one of which is going to be spatchcocked, which, if you don't know what spatchcock is, you basically cut the spine out and flatten it. Oh, you airline, you're airline chickening it. Yeah. And the other one's going to be in our silver pot. We got, like, a turkey pot that we use, like, that's an heirloom. But one's going to be spatchcocked. I always do two types of seasoning. One is, like, a Cajun style, which is basically Tony's. <laughs> Or slap your mama, or whatever you want. Just whatever I'm feeling good, I just pat, you know, pat it on there, make it, make it nice and coated. The other one I do, and of all things, I learned this from a hospital. I I just do oil, olive oil. I do salt, pepper, uh, thyme, and garlic. That's it. That sounds good. The, the most difficult thing I've ever done with the turkey before we get on to the actual episode here is I actually did put butter underneath the skin. That's like... It, it, it is a pain. It's the reason why I don't... Okay, that and the remember when I made the drunk turkey one year when y'all came over? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Nate got drunk off of the potatoes that were still along oh. the side because it didn't cook it fully out of the potatoes, but it cooked it out the turkey. Because we, you and I poured an entire fifth of uh, Dickel into that turkey. Oh, Dickel. Uh, that, look, if anybody out there, uh, Dickel makes a really good uh, whiskey soak for ribs mm. or turkey. Uh, that was like the... I've never made a dry turkey. Yeah. But... You see, that's uh, the thing. I've never made a dry turkey. All the turkeys I've ever made were moist. They were flavorful. Yeah, moist. Uh... They were flavorful. They tasted good. People fucking devoured them. I, which is why I don't get how people can have like, like you, you see pictures of people like in the turkey Africa. cracks open like a Cthulhu nightmare. Yeah, or it looks like the fucking Sahara Desert, like on, on a fucking pan. I don't get how people. Well, I mean, do that's that. how Shapiro likes his turkey. God damn it! <laughs> you gotta edit that bit out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, what are we talking about today? Uh, we we went on a Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, we did. We did, but that's uh, because we know that we are going to eventually share with each other leftovers. Mm. Uh, I will not share my sister's macaroni with you. I will spare you that monstrosity. But uh, I'm going to talk to you about uh, both the Ursuline Convent in New Orleans and the Casket or the Caskets. That's the Casket Girls? The Casket Girls in New Orleans. So, uh, let me set the stage for you. <clears throat> the year is 1728. They arrive. These very pale-skinned, petite French women come down the planks, carrying with them a small chest known as a casquette, which eventually becomes what we call what we bury people in. They were sent to New Orleans by the Bishop of Quebec and the King because there was a whole lot of French men in New Orleans, but no women. And how do you make sure the British don't take your possessions? You make sure your possessions self-reproduce. So, you send women to the men that are already there trying to make money so that they will marry and have children and stay and cause the population to grow. However, rumors started about these girls almost immediately they burned easy they're very 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 pale they were to live with the ursuline nuns until they were married however 
Several bad marriages resulted, uh, as one would imagine in the 1700s. Yeah. Uh, disrespect slash crappy male colonists. Uh, some became prostitutes when not married by a certain age. Um, I know I said women earlier. I should have said girls because some of these women, or sorry, some of these girls were not married by the age of 19. However, the project was deemed a failure and he, the king himself, ordered a bishop and all the nuns to round up all the casquettes and send them back to France if they had not married and been fruitful. Now, continuing on with this legend, Chris, the nuns as they were trying to get the girls out, found that the caskets were filled with dirt and nothing else. No clothing. No precious family keepsakes. Just dirt. Somehow they could tell it was French dirt. They could smell like, a, I guess, a, a little bit of uh, just France was available within those scents. You just know. when you When you smell it, you're like, man, this is rude. It's France. So... They also noticed that the girls slept during the day, not at night. So the nuns disobeyed the king, and they nailed the door to the third floor of the Ursuline convent shut and nailed all the storm shutters shut. The nails had apparently been blessed by the Pope, who at that point apparently had prime two-day shipping because uh, they made it there very quickly from the nuns reporting to him in New Orleans all the way back to Rome. Uh, but the nails yeah, it, were blessed it, for him. Uh, you know, that six-month trip across the Atlantic, I mean, the Pope must have known something was up. But bless nails from the Pope. Uh, rumors of the caskets being vampires suffered or surfaced very quickly. But the nuns would not talk about it and told everyone else not to talk about it. Uh, also, there's a thing about the nuns possibly were silent sisters, so I guess they wouldn't talk about it because they didn't speak anyway, but I don't know how they would tell people other than a chalkboard or something. Anyway, um... Multiple deaths and unfortunate events seemed to occur the second that the girls showed up or any time the third floor windows were left open. In 1978, a paranormal investigator crew, oddly enough, could not find any names on this investigator crew, were found dead after a stakeout. They had stayed over outside uh, another famous location that's right across from the Ursuline Convent is the Beauregard House. Oh, where well. PG, PGT Beauregard stayed, as well as like eight other people. It's an in-town house for people that had plantations outside. In any case, it was the fancy neighborhood area. And so apparently they were out there, and then all of a sudden they were all found dead, hidden behind trash heaps. Now, also, uh, the girls have, uh, when they showed up, uh, the windows were found open before the Great Fire. Both Great Fires in the late 1700s. Uh, they were found before the Yellow Fever opened. Uh, outbreak they were found open before Katrina and after Katrina the Pope came to the third floor of the building itself and made sure that all everything was still sealed up shut and everything was still good that's the legend that sets up the caskets now let me follow this up with a little bit of something else that leads into what the caskets could be other than just a vampire is uh, coming from a former ghost tour host uh, that was one of our friends, Cedric Whitaker, mm. who's now doing ghost tours up in uh, Gettysburg. Mm. Uh, is that he told this on all of his ghost tours? Uh, there used to be a bartender that worked not too far away from the Ursuline Convent, and he was closing up the bar about 2 a.m., 3 a.m., getting into that witching hour. And uh, he was coming back from the scullery to grab his wallet and keys. And he saw what looked like a teenage, a young, skinny, 
pale teenage girl walking around the bar top. And he had left some glasses on top of it, as they do every yeah, night yeah, yeah. for display. And she was walking around them. And he was like, hey, kid, you need to get out of here. You're not supposed to be in here. All of a sudden, she smiled with a mouthful of razor-sharp teeth from one edge of a Glasgow smile to another. And he hauled his ass out of there very quickly, quit, and never came back for any of his stuff. I mean, that's just a normal tale in New Orleans. That, that's just a ghost story tale. So, here's the deal, and this is the first theory, is that the uh, one... So, all in all, the caskets are supposed to be vampires that mm. haunt the city of New Orleans that are kept under lock and key by the Ursuline nuns in New Orleans. Okay, so I was thinking there was... Okay, so I've heard about the casket girls, mm -hmm. but I haven't read. Like, in fact, I don't know. Like, <sighs> vampires, damn. But, you know, vampires are interesting. I'm not saying that, like... Well, leeches always lead to a little bit of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, I was thinking, like, there was more, like, mystery there. Well, I mean, the big thing here is that I've just read to you the legend and given you a sighting. Um, mm. The whole idea here is that supposedly the casket girls came over carrying small... And the thing is, if you say casket now, people are like, these girls were toting a whole yeah, thing yeah. like the Terminator. No, a casket or a casquette it's was like a, a, a... Like luggage. A, well, I mean, it's like the French term. If you add E-T-T-E -T -T -E to the end of it, it means small. Yeah. Like a casquette is just a small cask. So what it was is more or less like a travel chest, like really like a carry-on bag. And like, so let's, let's hit the notes here. I said that it was found full of dirt. Yeah. The thing that lit off in my head when uh -huh. you said uh, full of dirt uh, was the idea, like this isn't a supernatural thing, but it's more of a legal thing where having the dirt of your home country somewhere is like... I don't know, like, you you put the dirt of your home country somewhere so they can technically be, like, if you have any offspring, they can technically be born. That's actually a really cool idea, but no, uh, the reason I brought that up is uh, vampires, uh, depending on, one, they're not supposed to be able to move across moving water, but getting a vampire across the ocean requires some uh, thought process here, but the idea is that vampires can sleep and soil from their own country. Like, uh, that's even in, like, Helsing Unlimited when they go to Brazil. Alucard, being a powerful vampire in that anime, can just sit up in first class, drink some wine, enjoy his thing. Ceres, on the other hand, not being that powerful, is literally... But she's in a, like a spawn. No, she's in a, she's in a casket that's covered in English soil so that she doesn't actually get harmed by moving over moving water. So the concept here is that as long as a vampire has soil, it's native soil that it was buried in before anything else happened, they can negate that I can't move across flowing water. Okay. So all of a sudden the casket girls so all wait. of a sudden had a bunch of dirt from their home country. So wait, you Okay, so the way I, I interpreted like this might be the D and D way mm -hmm. of interpreting it, where it's like like Asterion just can't cross a river, right? Like, yeah. I thought it was, like, as long as they're not in the water. It depends. It depends on the myth. It depends on the story with this. But with this one, the girls carried 
their native soil with them to negate like the I've been on a boat for six months going across the second or third largest amount of flowing fucking water on the planet. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, another thing is, um, I do like the idea, the whole story of it being, like the whole Ghost Hunter story, I thought was really interesting in the sense that it's like, are we talking about this was the 1700s, 1800s, no, 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 1900s? No, no. This, uh, the, the Ghost Hunters, the paranormal investigators that were supposedly found dead and no names in any account or ever provided was in 1978. Okay, so that and, makes it a little bit less... And that, like, they stayed awake all night to try to, like, make sure if the shutter's open and get it on, like, their their 5 millimeter film or their 8 millimeter film uh, from the 70s and record it. So, I mean, to me, the least believable thing in the legend is the 1978 investigators being mm. found dead. Because there's literally no record of that. Now, to be fair, it's the NOPD. They don't always get noted for having the best record keeping. But... This leads into that, I mean, they could be a vampire. They could just be a regular vampire that I mentioned kind of some of that was St. Germain. However, several of the sightings that are associated with more modern leans into the Strigoi or the Striga, which uh, I, I kind of want to lead into that and give a little story because this makes the, the caskets way more entertaining if they're a Strigoi yeah, or yeah. Striga. Like, if you're listening to this, you probably know what a Strigoi is, but, like, Strigoi, far more entertaining and far more menacing. Oh, way scarier than just a... Like, there's so many different types of vampires and so many types of undead that are almost vampiric. The Strigoi or the Striga. Just Eastern Europeans just Hmm. add so much more flavor than Western Europeans to freaking scary crap like... Because, I mean, the thing is, is that a Strigoi could be a vampire or a werewolf, depending on the resources you go or through. Or a ghost. Or so that's more, that leans more into the Striga. Yeah. But, so, uh, for to summarize this as quick as possible, uh, is, well, I shouldn't say quick as possible. The, the simplest way is Why that are you str- trying to rush us through this, Hewitt? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Anyway, but a Romanian vampire is the easiest way for me to say what a Strigoi is. A Striga is more of a spirit or an evil spirit of the dead that have come back to feed on the living often family so a strigoi or striga usually were what was blamed in the middle ages and even all the way up until like the 1800s in some cases for a family member died and then other family members started to have health issues it was basically a way for family member like okay grieving family members someone dies and then things start happening they they might be a strigoi and the thing is is that the thing about strigoi is they don't just drink blood they feed on the flesh yeah like they are that's the reason why we would like i mentioned a second ago there's also the strigoi are connected to werewolves because they're shapeshifters but i mean to be fair if you go with like 90 percent of european you know vampires they're shapeshifters. They turn into bats. They turn into mist. They can turn into someone that you love that's might have like that's not them that just recently died. But I mean, they the big can thing even is, create visions. So I mean, the big thing here is that the Strigoi is pretty much, I think, by most histories, is the progenitor of ninety percent of European vampires. Like the other one being the Slaw or the Abalok of the uh, the Irish and Welsh. Uh, and I mispronounce that. If Tony ever listens to this, uh, she sorry, can, Tony. She can she can fix it because there's like so many letters in that that don't get pronounced the same way. So I mean, it could be called Abby. 
I don't know. Like her uh, character Neve, it's like there was no V in that name. But here's the deal. Uh, to to talk about how does one become a Strigoi? Uh, there are certain criteria to become a Strigoi. Any of these could fulfill, uh, be fulfilled, or increase the risk of returning as a Strigoi. Uh, Strigoi Moit or Mort or Strigoi Death. Anyway, uh, one be the seventh child of the same sex in the family. That's that's oddly specific. I mean, it's the seventh son of a seventh son type bull. But I shouldn't hmm. say bullshit. But it's the seventh. Son. It's basically like if your dad had not, if your dad and mom had nothing but daughters, and you're the seventh one, you might become a Strigoi. But we're trying to find we're trying to find reasons that are like kind of weird and hard to make actually happen. Uh, lead a life of sin. That one's fairly easy. Uh, yeah, die okay. without being married. Well, that's fucked up. Die by execution for perjury. Okay, so, so the legal... If, if you lie in court, you could become a Strigoi. So, hey, hey, don't commit merger, perjury. You'll come back as a vampire, and then we'll have to kill you again. Uh, you could commit suicide. Wow. Uh, or you could die from a witch's curse. So, running the gamut of... Uh, uh, another one I didn't write down, but I remember. Um, you could sleep outside on a Wednesday. Okay, wait. This is coming back to the Rougarou. Yeah, same thing, dude. Like they're coming up with a. They want to find reasons, okay? They want to find reasons. So someone was just sitting there. It's like, why is he a Strogoi? It's like I don't know. He was out on a Wednesday one day. It's like okay. He got drunk and fell on, fell asleep underneath a horse. Um, that, like they okay, have to be okay. We, whenever we create our own cryptid, falling asleep drunk outside on a Wednesday underneath a horse has to be a way it can yeah. become one. That that's when you become the Black Bayou three butt monster. <laughs> <laughs> three cheat, three cheat, three uh, okay, cheat. So uh, uh, here's how you. Here is a. If you want to be able to deal with a Strigoi, everybody here, just follow these. Follow these steps. Follow these steps. Okay, uh, some of them. You could follow partially if you want to do the next step. Some of these might end the process when you're done. So uh, first off, uh, first step to uh, dealing with a Strigoi. Exhume said Strigoi. Dig it up. Mm -hmm. uh, is there blood around their mouth? Do they still look alive? Is their hair longer? Are their nails longer? Do their teeth look longer? All of this is crap a dead body does. Yeah. Of like your cuticles pull back. Yeah. Your scalp pulls back. Your gums pull back. And if you have not yeah. seen and how long a human canine tooth is just on its own. Yeah. The, the soft flesh just recedes over like keratin and bone. So and hair. So, for that uh, matter, you want you want the you want to know the first way to deal with this, and uh, the next of these if it doesn't work. Uh, uh, step two: remove the head of the strigoi and cut it in two. Oh, of course, of course. You just gotta you, getting rid of that head. Just okay. You cut it in two. You don't put a brick in there. Oh uh, no, 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 no. That, that's uh, that's an alternative. Or stick a brick in the mouth. Yeah, stick a brick in the mouth. Throw it in the river. Just forget about it. Don't worry uh, about it. Step three: drive nails through the forehead. Okay, yeah. I guess you gotta nail it back together. Um, step four, place cloves of garlic under the tongue. Okay, that, that's not as bad. That's... No, no, that one. That one's like, uh, put an Andy's mint on the pillow type thing. Like, that's the least... 
Here unless, you go, Grandma. Have unless it's like you've already decapitated them and cut their head in half, then nailed it back together, and then you stick garlic under the tongue. You know what? This makes sense that we love garlic here in the South. You know, just... Well, that's because garlic is delicious. Well, yeah, that, but just preemptively... Vampires... Okay. Everybody tries to put us in New Orleans, but everybody reeks of garlic and bay leaf. And they also stink of booze. The vampires would actually know vampires would like that. That's a blood thinner. It'd make it flow easier. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's so, true. Uh, uh, five, smear its body in the fat of a pig, pig killed on St. Ignatius Day. Well, grease yeah. up the grease up the dead, headless, nailed back together body. <laughs> so that you just shove the garlic wait, in the mouth. Wait, so here here's the problem with that one. What if St. Ignatius Day just happened? Like it's a day later, and you're like, "Oh no, we got to strip." Oh man, the- you got to wait a minute. <laughs> or, well, hold on, hold on. If the pig was killed on St. Ignatius Day, though, and you still got the fat. Okay, so that's good. Oh, but- I, I'm I'm reading this legalese now. Here's another one. Turn it face down so that the, if the Stragoy ever wakes up, it will head towards the afterlife. The one I didn't write down. Bury it face down with a brick in its mouth and a carrot or other such root vegetable up the anus. <laughs> so that I guess when the Stragoy wakes up, it's just like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's a carrot it, it, in my butt and a brick in my mouth. It's like, it's just like, I... I've been violated. I'm just gonna sit here. You know and what? Cry. I'm gonna, I choose death. I like, choose. What? I choose the long undeath right now. I I just don't. I like people are weird. Here's the thing I love about this: silver doesn't affect a stragoy. Like I guess maybe if you shot it with silver, it would. Like I didn't get that. I was like, how do you prevent it? And it's like all the preventions is. To dig it up now. The other ones is, like you mentioned, you can dig them up, burn the heart, and then everybody drinks the heart coffee. So everybody gets a little bit of cannibal tea in the process. Um, everybody could take a bite out of the corpse as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do they cook it? They probably don't. No, it's, it, literally, it's, just, it's literally just take a bite. Okay, that sounded bad the way you put it. Okay, I'm sorry, Romania. I love you, Romania, but... Like Easter, uh, it, it's Eastern Europe. Well, here's the deal: is this is also I'm talking about medieval solutions. Like they did not. It's like go and take a bite out of the corpse. I'm like, I, I this is weird to me. To be fair, they were like, dealing. I, I, I'm from the modern era, so cannibalism, like on every level, is just like 100 rep- percent irreprehensible. But the number of like medieval practices that involve like cannibalism light. Like, you would take human skull bones and grind them up for a medication to give the king for his, like, erectile oh, yeah. dysfunction type There's of stuff. There's also mummy dust and all that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's weird, dude. It's weird. And it makes it, me laugh whenever I hear Fonsworth's joke of, oh, man, I wanted to eat that one. About, the like, the tiny mummy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I keep forgetting but, how much of the Futurama staff actually had, like, multiple college degrees and stuck smart jokes and stuff. So, that's, that's how you deal with the Strigoi. And the reason I wanted to bring up the Strigoi is... One, the description, multiple descriptions of a young girl with a mouthful of razor sharp teeth hit Strigoi notes. Also, there's other stories about Strigoi getting in New Orleans, and uh, it was ne- it wasn't recorded. But when we did uh, one of my favorite moments in uh, the Dresden game that I've run for Emily, Emily and Christina, is that I didn't tell them how they solved a problem at the end of a game. And then I get the, let them have all their memories back when they 
undid the memory or they undid the spell and they got all their memories back at once and they remembered fighting through a group of Strigoi and how it nearly killed all three of them even with like being like Harry Dresden-esque powerful three Harry Dresden-esque powerful wizards pushing their way through stuff and that literally they did this last ditch effort and poured a whole month of their lives into the spell losing their memories to put these things away because Strigoi are nasty more so than any other va- okay other than like the weird Filipino vampire that's like a head with a bunch of flying guts oh the Crusoe yeah and the, the weird flying Chinese vampire that has a needle nose so it's basically like a giant mosquito uh, other I'm okay, not East, sure on that one. East East Asian vampires get really freaking weird and really quickly. I know uh, the East Asian zombie with the uh, they like hop at you. I forget what their name is. I don't remember that one. Or like the giant skeleton in Japan that feasts on the living because it wants to put flesh back on its bones. That's uh, fucking badass. I know it is. I, I love that one ukiyo-e painting of it. But it's it's one of those of like the Strigoi fit this so well, and so many people tell the stories. But I have. To ruin this one, Chris. Uh-huh. I have to ruin it. Okay. I have okay. to start talking yeah. about the truth. Um, the caskets, the rumor of them didn't start till the 20th century. So that's 1900s. Yeah, that, that's the, it's the one we were born in, hmm. uh, the last one. Um, it usually, the, the Beauregard Keys House Museum is right across the street from the Ursuline Convent. So it was a regular stop on... Any, tour. on any type of ghost tour just like the uh, eventually I'll do the La Lurie house which is the closest I'll get to uh, true crime I will let you have the Axeman um, hmm. because uh, I started doing research on the Axeman and it's just way too much true crime for me and that's not my bag but um, most of the story is completely fictional here's the deal uh, the truth of the situation is there were multiple programs to send women to New France and Louisiana to create a sustainable European population in the colonies. That part's true. Mm-hmm. So, here's the deal. Multiple rumors of the women being prostitutes started almost immediately when the program started because what kind of proper woman would move to Canada or Louisiana with all those men? I'm not, I'm not making a joke. Like, that they, was the entire because it was not the best Frenchman that went there. Like, you had a couple lords that did exploration, but the rest of it was roughneck. I mean, think about like every pipeline, every oil worker, every dude's dude that's like around a bunch of other dudes. Like, it was more or less a bunch of stinky, taint and ball smelling everything. <laughs> and they sent women over there. And can you imagine? Like, can you imagine if okay? I can kind of get like they were trying to say these women weren't of high status because the dudes, the dudes they were sending them to definitely weren't. They were basically the dude bros of 1700s France that are over there. That just makes me feel bad for the ladies. It does because here's the thing is the second they're off the boat, all I can imagine is that one dude from Futurama. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, do a lady. Uh, how you doing? And, and then they're just sitting there like, oh, oh my god, I'm, I'm got, I'm fucking. Like they just come in, everything smells like the backside of a scrotum, and and that's even for 1700. Like, and I, I know that this might be bad for people who listen to the podcast, or it might be vulgar on my part, but I'm a dude. I have gone out and done stuff to where I couldn't bathe for a week. 
I came home and my wife directed me to the shower before she hugged me. It's like you gotta you gotta clean up. Wash ass. Like my my wife has done that to me once. And it was in a it was a extraordinary circumstance. What I mean I didn't like it wasn't like I didn't shower for a week. It was just like I had to I had to go help a friend and it was just like It was bad. Yeah. Look, I went to Gettysburg and there were no shower facilities for the entire week because I wanted it to be authentic. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I did that. Authentic I did the, means I, I did you the, smell like asshole. Yeah. Now at least they left us porter potties hidden behind places because I wasn't digging a hole and pooping. You smell like the the black bayou three cheek swamp monster. <laughs> but so anyway, rumors started about these women because the guys that were there were already. But here's the deal: Bienville requested women when he was in Biloxi because. Uh, well, racism. He didn't want his men marrying native women. He wanted real French people. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's being full. He requested virgins and uh, needed a priest to escort them and vouch for them. Um, Man, dudes are so fucking yeah, weird sometimes. Uh, picked up. They were picked by the Bishop of Quebec. They had a priest that escorted them. Fun fact: um, twelve of the girls that were virgins when they got on the boat weren't when they got off. And the priest was very happy. This tracks for the 1700s. Again, uh, everything I'm describing, I'm very sorry. It's terrible because this is just the way it was. Um, so in uh, 1721, Bienville requested again, but this time from New Orleans because he moved from Biloxi to New Orleans. Uh, again, racism. Didn't want native wives. He wanted true French-born. Bienville was a fucking noble. Uh, so he requested, so he requested virtuous women... Because he needed good women to fix the scum of New Orleans. That's how he talked about the people who lived there. The scum that were with him. That tracks. So, uh... Knowing, like, French aristocracy. Now, this time, several of the women did come from debtor prison. And it was either you can stay in debtor prison, or stay in the Bastille, or you can go to Louisiana and marry a pirate. Wow, this is a this is a. You yeah, know what? I just, Can we this, go back to this being about Strigoi? About, like vampires are slightly like you vampires know, are better than this. You know, uh, I was wrong. The whole vampire thing was kind of cool. So, uh, hey let, let Hewitt, me... how do you kill vampires? <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, by sending them to Louisiana <laughs> to marry a pirate. <laughs> I thought no, you were going to say it's all the garlic. <laughs> No, but here's the deal. Uh, the reason they were pale is because they spent six months in a boat because women weren't allowed on the top of the deck because it was unlucky to have a woman on board. So the captains of the boats kept the priest and the women in the hold because they didn't want to anger the sea or anger God by transporting women across the ocean. So one of the reasons they might have been pale is they literally spent half a year in the bottom of a French frigate. You know, the, uh, other, the other reason is... They're from France. They're and, already pale. Which is in Europe. And the Creoles and the Louisianians who are living in the near subtropical climate that we live in that has sun. And they've all, also intermingled with well, it's natives. Not just, well, that's why I said Creole. So they're tan from being in the sun. And all of a sudden these French women who have been through a French summer come out. They're pale. But also they've been in a boat for so long. So, of course, they're sunburning because they're... Like, my wife, I love my wife to death, and the Irish heritage is strong in her. She gets outside in our summers too long, she blisters. 
Yeah, and I, even and she's tried to stay out there longer to like like maybe if I'm outside longer it'll stop with the sunbirds. No, it hasn't because it's a genetic thing. So they might have blistered because they were Northern European. Well, it, one thing this has taught me is that I am a misandrist. I don't like men anymore. Uh, uh, you know, I'm kind. Of, I don't like men from the 1700s. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Let you know men from the 1700s. That, 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 you've that, already done that. that. I've already done that. So let's <laughs> let, let's edit that part out. That's probably bad. Now here's a here's some other problems with it. Um, one, the convent they're talking about was was not built until 1753, which is after the girls would have already shown up. So the convent that they put them in is younger than where they would have been. So they just like pulled everything together. Well, again, everything was being created in the 20th century. They didn't stop and do dates and check on stuff. Uh, now the third floor of the convent is the diocese archive. Or part of it is. So the reason that the third floor is the archive is the third floor, the interior rooms don't have windows. There's hallways that run on the outside and that's where the storm shutters go to. And the rooms were used for archives because one, it's high up, it's usually dry and they keep the roof fixed. Uh, the shutters that are mentioned were not installed until 20 years ago. They're hurricane shutters. All the shutters on the third floor, all the shutters on any part of the convent are modern hurricane shutters. Because we live in Louisiana. There's hurricanes. This year, we haven't had one. But we went for the better part of 15 years with one or two of those sons of bitches hitting us pretty regularly. To where even where we live in the northern part of the state still had a Cat 1 flow over us. No, we had a Cat 2, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was a Cat 2, wasn't she? But anyway, so the other thing is, is that the uh, the story might have been born out of the Anne Rice fever of the nineties. Because so we're going all the way. Not only is it the twentieth century, it's twentieth century enough to where like we are born. Nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, with Lestat and the Vampire Queen, and any of the stuff Anne Rice wrote. Because when Anne Rice wrote, why does New Orleans have so many vampires? Because New Orleans is the most European city. In the United States, if you go to the architecture in the French Quarter. And it's all, well, again, the French Quarter is actually Spanish architecture, but if you go, you walk into the French Quarter. It feels like a different city. We it's a different city because this. nothing's more than four or five stories, and that's counting the steep, nothing's taller than five stories, which is the top of St. Louis Cathedral. With the top, and I'm not talking about the top of the steeple, I'm talking about the cross on top of the steeple. Yeah. And you got, I mean, you go through there, nothing's more than two, three stories. And there's parts that they let the brick cobbles still show. And so, and part of that's tourism, but part of that's also the flavor of the city. So, it feeds into this old world, because if you think about a vampire... You think about this old world, sort Okay, you of. think of one or two things. You think of the old world classy vampire, or you think of that asshole that wears leather pants with slits up the side and a mm-hmm. fishnet t-shirt that just goes to all the 90s raves that Blade kills. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. feel Blade should kill them. That's also because I can't stand 90s house scene. But uh, in any case, um, now here's the thing. The archbishop after Katrina, not the pope, the archbishop did go check because they wanted to make sure the records were safe. But here's the other thing about the convent. The convent was a school, nuns. It was a women's clinic, nuns. Because I'll be honest, who knows, especially in the 1700s, who knows more about women's health? The doctor who invents the chainsaw slash gynecological hip ripper for having a baby. You know, that's where the chainsaw comes from, right? Is the gynecological saw. Stop. 
Oh, oh my God. Yeah. It. It. Okay. Do me a favor, real quick, because I want the podcast to catch us. I want you to. I want you to Google gynecological saw. I don't like that word. Gyno. Well, hold on. Let me make sure I'm not telling you wrong. Chains. Okay, chainsaws were originally invented to help child. Yep. Original chainsaw. Go with that one because uh, the one I gave was not what I expected. My search history has been ruined. Okay. Yeah, it's terrible, right? You see that shit? It was based on a, a watch chain with teeth that moved through. Yep. Use of a hand crank was yep. meant. There was no pain. There's no pain numbing anything. Okay, so, but okay. Here's so here's the, the deal. That, okay, that's wait what, a minute. Hold on, I, gotta, I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta say something. Yeah. Like during this time, the whole idea, when it came to like surgery, was like let's get it done as quick as possible yeah. because we don't have pain. Why the fucking chainsaw? Because that's the only way they could figure out how to get through the inch to oh, inch and a quarter of God. the pelvis. Oh, so, we're so dumb. Yeah, no. We're but so anyway, dumb. Anyway, so why would women go to the uh, the nuns before a doctor? Is a doctor invented that, okay? That's the reason why I wanted you to see that. So they had a women's clinic. They had a children's clinic. They had a school. But the thing is, they also took care of mentally ill patients. And if you ever go to the third floor of the convent, they have a bunch of half doors, and they have a bunch of doors with little doors in them. And the reason is... They took care of mentally ill patients on the third floor because out of sight, out of mind. And they had these little short doors so they could put food through so that the nuns would not actually get hurt by possibly some of the more violent uh, patients that needed a little bit more TLC. And back then in 1700s, you know, they're not giving it. Mm. So they didn't talk about the third floor. And that's what lends credence to a lot of the story with this is that they didn't talk about the third floor because... If you put mentally ill or handicapable people, people, and, or anyone with any type of uh, anyone with a mental health condition, you just right. Th- wall thank you for them saying off. that because I didn't want to say one word with this because uh, it, it you didn't you didn't want to invoke some. I didn't I want I didn't want to yeah. invoke any language that tries to imply lesser than yeah uh, with this, but they would put them up there. And not family members put them up there. I mean, this is before we even had sanitariums. Like, if you had a family member that was not considered normal or up to standard back then, you'd put them in a room and shut them up. Yeah. So they put them on the third floor up here. So the one reason that, like, that area is not, they kept records there and that they might have kept mentally ill or uh, folks with mental with, with mental illness. Or, or mental health conditions. Conditions up there because it was considered charity. So that's what leads all this because the third floor has a lot of secrets to it. Also, one, do you want people going in your attic? Yeah, yeah. I, so I mean, that's that's the caskets. It's like the story is so cool and it makes a great ghost story, but the reality of it is kind of depressing. It, it's yeah, like I'd rather it have been. You know what? Yeah. I would a hundred percent rather it have been vampires. Right? You know what? Vampires seem good. Like vampires versus the reality of the situation is good. Yeah. Which is a rarity for us because neither one of us are big fans of leeches. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for this story, Hewitt. Uh, uh, I, I feel like we need a beer after this one. We need a beer after this. And anyone 
listening at home i hope you love the episode uh be sure to follow us on wherever you get whatever podcatcher yeah whatever podcatcher's Uh, out there we are team bonus action on well we okay so we are not we are not we are okay both of us are dms and players with team bonus action which is a online rpg or tabletop rpg and video play group that does charity work uh when you're listening to this we might still be an extra life donating to the uh batson's children hospital in jackson or we might be donating to the trevor project because it's the first quarter of the next year uh, which if you haven't donated to the Trevor Project, please do, because sometimes parents are crappy. And, uh, even if that's not the charity that's currently with our stream, it's always a worthy cause to give to. Uh, you can also find us at TeamBonusAction.com, created by our good friend Frankie V, who's another one of the players. You can find a lot of information about us there. You can also find anything with Team Bonus Action on Facebook, YouTube, Blue Sky, Instagram, and Threads is Team Bonus Action, or on Twitter at Bonus underscore Team. Until we have our own social media stuff set up, if yeah, people yeah. actually actually listen to us. So, uh, thank you very much for listening. And Next I, time, I hope it's a happier story. Which, yeah, uh, if, um, it's, if it's the one I got looking in front of me, uh, it will be. And uh, bon we. Oui. Yeah. Uh, have a good night. Uh, take care of yourself. <laughs>